Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ladies and gentlemen, this is another edition of The Bird Calls. I am David Grubb and joined as always by senior writer of The Bird Rights, Ali Cosell, our special guest today from the cool, temperate locale that is Las Vegas, Nevada, Pelicans broadcaster and color commentator for the wide stuff uh, for the 2K24 Summer League, the one and only Aaron Summers. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It is definitely not cool here at all. It is hot, but we're hanging in. <laughs> so the Pels are one and one after beating the Warriors last night. Not the cleanest, most beautiful game in the world, but the Pels at times offensively looked really bad second half though outscore the the warriors 50 to 35 you don't ever want to read too much in the summer league results but what did you see in the second half and what did the coaching staff in particular like about those final 20 minutes i think it goes back even further than that to friday and the way that they played friday was i mean you said it wasn't the cleanest game yesterday but friday was a lot worse the 31 turnovers so the fact that they only had seven in the first half of the game against the Warriors just showed that they're paying a more attention to details working on their execution and communicating that was the thing that coach Casey Hill has been really emphasizing at practices shoot arounds they don't know each other very well you have to talk out there you have to be constantly helping each other out with where people are going because it's kind of it's very free flowing when it comes to the summer league. There's not a lot of opportunity to really get a lot of sets down. So these guys have to talk to each other. And on along with that, um, Coach Hill said that you have to bring the effort. And he said that I think at halftime he he told Zebron like you gotta just go, like go down go down the lane, be aggressive. Um, when you bring that high level of effort, that's when you're successful because that's what it takes for the game that you play. So he kind of helped Sebron kick it into another gear and he had a great game in the paint. Yeah, Aaron, I noticed that Trajan Langdon mentioned, and it's important for people, listeners to know that the Pelicans, three practices, two games. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot of time, especially say the Warriors, right? They've played two additional games, have had more practices because they played in that California Classic, right? That other summer league game. So it is important for your leaders like Dyson Daniels to really take charge for Darren Sebron, who I think we should talk about, right? What a bounce back game, 25 points, really some great decision making. Mm-hmm. And he really just played to his strengths. I thought that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm curious to see what you saw, but it seemed like the Warriors, they really keyed on, right, on Jordan Hawkins. They really made sure that he was going to get loose. So I think that opened up some lanes for Sebron, right, to do what he does best, drive and attack. And it was really cool to see that even though Hawkins didn't have any openings, he got so many good looks on Friday, did not have the same 
opportunities on Sunday because of the defense that the Warriors were playing and they were all over him. They were not going to let him go, but he still required like creates gravity. You, whether it's because he's going to hit a shot or because you're worried that he's going to, you know, he had somebody on him like paint last night and it did open up other people. And I think it took a little while for the Pelicans to settle in and figure out how they're going to adjust to that. Um, but they found a really good option in Zebron. Yeah, before David, I want to go with uh, talking about Dyson, EJ Liddell, because the transition so easy. Jordan Hawkins, everybody knows he's a great shooter, and we see that, right, the way he's able to get his shots, the way his shot looks. But I want to talk about everything else he did. And I thought in that second half, some big rebounds, that charge, right? I know he had that big bucket, but seconds before, that charge was huge. So tell me, have you been kind of surprised by how much more he offers with his game other than shooting? When I've talked to him, he's – in very matter of fact, in the way that he does bring other other things to the game. And he's like, yeah, I know everyone talks about my shooting, but I can handle the ball. I can create for my teammates. I can play defense. So it's it's good that we got to see other aspects of that because he did affect the game regardless of whether or not he was getting looks, getting his shot to fall. You know, you mentioned the charge that he took. I think that was a real game changer because that's when the momentum really shifted towards the Pelicans and the rest of the team kind of turned up their intensity defensively and they're able to close the game out in a way that they didn't in the last game. Aaron, do you think that what you've seen from Jordan by being able to do these other things might actually help him get a spot in the rotation quicker, right? Earn some more trust with Willie sooner than maybe most rookies that enter the league. Yeah, and you said the key word there, trust. That's what Coach Green always talks about. He has to be able to trust you to make the right decision and to put forth the effort that that he asks of his players in, in all minutes. So I think Hawkins showed just how well he does understand the game, his basketball IQ, that you can trust him in different situations to make the right play. So, yes, if he's adding not only with that three-point shot that we're still really waiting to see just kind of fall like we know he can, um, it's good to see that he can provide on the defensive end, be in the right positions, and then also find his teammates. You know, he he made some really good reads yesterday. Yeah, we went with this kind of box, you know, same thing with Trey Murphy when he was drafted that, oh, he's a shooter. But Jordan is a scorer, and we've seen him, you know, put the ball on the floor – come around screens, handling the basketball and pull up. We've seen him shoot mid-range jumpers. We saw him, you know, take people off the dribble, um, recognize closeouts. I think he's a very intelligent offensive player. And as you said, that experience, I think, of him being coached really hard by mm -hmm. two exceptional guards in Danny and Bobby Hurley, um, I think that that, that – you're you're forced to be a complete basketball player in that regard. I, and and his five assists in that first game, you know, showed that he wants to contribute. He's had a block shot. He's had some steals. You know, so I like his activity, even though you can tell that there are times where he's still catching up to what NBA speed is like. Yeah, and he mentioned that, that it is a little bit quicker. It's going to be even quicker once you get to the actual NBA games. So there might be a little adjustment there as well. But you know that he's going to put in the work. You know that he's going to bring it. They talk about how much he's just in the gym. You know, he himself said he's gained 10 pounds since the offseason. I don't even know what kind of crazy regimen that would take for somebody with his size to start with. But he definitely puts in the work. And it's it's going to be fun to see how quickly he does come around.
the, it seems that the summer league, the key for this is building around and building up Dyson Daniels in year two um, and expanding his role. Clearly the coaching staff is, is telling him to be aggressive offensively. He's averaging almost 18 points, six assists, 10 boards, three steals, one and a half blocks over these first two games. We know the three-point shooting is his biggest struggle, two for 14 so far, but he's shooting 55% on his two-point attempts and going to the basket a little bit more. What about Dyson um, is the staff excited about, and what can you see in difference in his uh, attitude and his approach from year one to year two? You mentioned um, his just aggressiveness, ability to put the ball on the ground, go to the rack. You know, he was not afraid to go in against contact. I think last year he was maybe a little bit more timid. He's somebody else who's been working on his body and his strength. He said he's gained between somewhere between five and 10 pounds of muscle. So he wants to be able to go in there and, and hold his own. It's something we've heard from Brandon Ingram. He said he, you know, he was putting on weight over before last season to be able to do that as well. Same with Trey Murphy. So you got to kind of got to adjust to the game a little bit and, and he's doing that. He's doing the right things. And as far as what the team is excited about outside of, of just that aspect of his confidence, um, even though he's not shooting very well from outside, they're really happy about his three-point shot. You know, they say it looks good. And that's something that he's been working on a lot over the summer, you know, making sure his mechanics are better, keeping his elbows up, releasing higher, quicker. Um, and so they're happy that it, that it looks the way that it's supposed to, and they want him to take as many shots as he can from outside right now, because that's what summer league is about is kind of trying something different, getting comfortable. Um, and they're, they're confident that he will get his shot to fall. Summer league kind of doesn't fit for big guys in general. It's much more of a guard oriented um, game because there are so many more guards trying to make teams. It seems like, but EJ Liddell in that, has had his moments. It's clear that he understands the game. He has a high basketball IQ. Um, it seems like he's still getting himself together physically, trusting his body in game action. Uh, how does he look in practice where he probably has more freedom to do the things that he needs to do compared to the games where his role is much more limited? Yeah, and free is a good way to put it because during the game season, a minutes restriction right now. It's 20 right now. It's going to increase... Um, I think for the last game, but not by very much. So it's hard to catch a rhythm to kind of get into a good flow of a game when when you know you're you're kind of getting pulled out, your minutes are getting watched, and you're not able to, you know, just gain momentum as the game goes on. So I think we'll see him continue to settle in more. You know, they just keep asking him to be patient. He looks really good in practice. He looks fluid. His shot looks great. Um so I think it's just uh, him getting, you know, up to the speed of the game again, the conditioning aspect of it as well, because he just really started going full court um, within the last couple of weeks. So that's a little bit different of an animal, but but it'll come in. The, and the goal is for him just to be 100% ready to go, um, no trepidation um, by training camp, for training camp. Aaron, another player I think fans wanted to see more out of, but unlike A.J. Liddell, who's coming back from injury, Carlo Matkovich, right? He's coming over from Europe second, even though he barely played, I know, a season ago. But people wanted to see more. So he's kind of gone off to that disappointed start, right? Trouble getting the ball through the hoop, rebounding, and really struggling with fouls, right? What have you seen up close within games, like the pros and cons of his game so far? 
Yeah. I mean, he's got so much upside. It's just, he plays in a different league. They play a different style. When you come here, especially with this game being so free flowing, so quick. I mean, they're really trying to push the pace. It's, it's hard when you're already trying to catch up to a different type of game to even keep up to that pace. And I actually talked to Carlo after the game and um, you know, he was frustrated because he said he felt so comfortable at the end of the season overseas this past year and was really playing very extremely well. And then he comes here and, you know, he it's, it's not natural, you know, you're not just intuitively doing what you're supposed to be doing on the court because you're trying to think, okay, well, I can't be as physical. They're going to call this, or I have to do, you know, so you're thinking, and that's almost why he's been a little bit, maybe a step back or late. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty clear that, that you know, they talked about he may need to spend a little more time in Europe. It just feels like, yeah, the, the, the subtleties of the American game have not yet rubbed off on him. The moving screens, I mean, like they were, they're really obvious right now. And just, you, as you said, his general kind of confusion with his teammates of not knowing when to roll and where to go. It just feels like he's just a step behind every time down the court. And that has to be incredibly frustrating for a guy that, especially on a team that if you're a big right now and you can produce, clearly they want to make room for that because there just aren't a lot of bigs on this roster. Well, and I watched him in practice before they came down here and he did not miss a shot. I mean, he was hitting every mid-range that he was putting up and he was dominating. So I think, it, yeah, you put it now in game speed, it, in action, and just got to put it all together. Um, it, he'll get there. I think he just needs more experience with the game here. The and, here's, well, and speaking of practice, since you brought it up, what else has stood out to you that maybe fans should know, right, that we should know about, whether it's individual, certain players shining in certain moments or maybe as a team concept or some leadership examples? Like, what what's your biggest takeaways? Maybe give me, like, three of your favorite ones so far in practices. Well, it's been fun to see some of the vets come through and, and practice. You know, they go through some individual work, but Najee, um, Trey, Herb, and Jose were all in, in there before practice on Saturday. And Jose's as feisty as ever. I tell you, that definitely stood out because he was arguing with everybody and everything about fouls being called or, or whatever rule he thought that they weren't following with the game they were playing. So um, he's really fired up to get back on the court. So I think that's going to be exciting you know, we have a lot of players that are going to be coming off of injuries, do, do have chips on their shoulders, really want to prove things. So I expect based on the energy that I'm seeing that training camp is going to be very, very competitive, should be a lot of fun. Um, another player I think that has stood out is uh, Landers Nolly from Cincinnati. He has a really pretty outside shot. He's just not gotten a lot of opportunities to show that. Um, that's kind of what he prides himself on, a real true like three and D guy. So hopefully we'll get to see a little bit more of that, but he really likes going left, really likes hitting those corner threes. Um, and he's done very well. Um, let's see. 
I think that it's been it's been really cool to see EJ just on the court with everybody because everybody's so excited for him. Um, I think he said after game one, the vets that were there in attendance were chirping at him so much that he just didn't want to go to that side of the court anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, he just he just got a smile on his face all the time, and it, it that's just really cool to see. Harrison Brooks is another guy who's had a very nice opening to summer mm-hmm. league, uh, six or seven shooting over two games, solid rebounding numbers, blocking shots, uh, obviously a long shot uh, to make the roster, but could he be a dark horse guy now maybe for a two-way contract with the kind of effectiveness that he's shown uh, and the physicality in particular? Yeah, I mean, I think we can read between the lines in some of the comments that we've heard, you know, the way David Griffin talked so highly of Leon Robbins um, on our broadcast on Friday, that he's that he is somebody that they're definitely looking at for that two-way spot, but you still have one open. So argue you could argue that Garrison and Liam might fulfill the same role. Is it they're both fives? You know, maybe play a little bit different game, but um, so I don't know if you want to pick up two of the, the same type of player. Um, it'll be interesting to see who who does get that that extra spot. You know, Landers is somebody that was brought up um, that Griff was high on as well. So I don't know. Ali, do you? Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, we, you've been perfect for the leads, right, Aaron? Because I've cut David off a few times because you've touched on our next <laughs> topic and Let's talk a little bit about Landers Nolly. I, I don't know if you knew this, but I went for my undergraduate studies to the University of Cincinnati. So I've always watched at least a couple other games every season. And I caught, right, Landers Nolly a couple of times this past season. So in that first game, when he went four for four from the field, I was like, yeah, that, that's UC product. But more so to your point, he's a legit shooter. And it's not just catch and shoot threes, right? All people know that he shoots a lot, I wouldn't say off-balance shots, but He's got such a nice feel on his shot and, and he stays within himself. And yeah. the shooting being as, as valuable as it is, Aaron, talk a little bit more about why you think he would make a good fit for a team, honestly, that could maybe use a little bit more shooting. Yeah, I mean, obviously we know that Pelicans are very high on defense and he's good on that end of, of the court as well. That's usually how Coach Green says he'll get he'll give you minutes if you can play well defensively and be smart. Um, not hurt them on that end, then, you know, that's going to help you get, get some time. And then with the way the Pelicans need some three point shooting, if, you know, he can really show that side of his game and be confident in that and let make sure his, his uh, teammates can trust him in that way, then yeah, I think he's got a good opportunity. He's a, he's such a versatile player though. You know, it's not just, you know, he said, yeah, I guess you can kind of qualify me as a three and D, but I do feel like I provide so much more than, than just that with my game. Um, he's a fun guy too. He said he's, he really likes uh, trash talk and that's what like gets him going. And so I don't know if you've ever, if you're listening, um, but yeah, he's, he's funny. I mean, his whole team, the connection has still persisted. I mean, we've, we, we saw during the broadcast yesterday, that Jose was on on doing FaceTimes with BI during mm-hmm. the game. And, and they've, they, you know, they asked Trey during halftime, had he been speaking with Zion? He says, I text and FaceTime with Zion all the time, you know, externally, all these reports about the relationships between these players and, and how strained they are. 
But every time consistently when we talk to the players or when the players get to speak, they talk about how close they are. Why do you think there's this disconnect um, nationally or perception wise about the way that the players are dealing with each other and, uh, you know, versus, you know, how it really is? I think that it started probably when Zion was injured and he took some time away, you know, and so people are like, oh, well, why isn't he around the team? And, you know, they start creating narratives that aren't maybe there or they misconstrue something that was said when CJ said he hadn't talked to him yet after the the trade, you know, um, people can run with things, but I see them at practice every day. I see them around each other in the facility, you know, Zion's always got a huge smile on his face. He's always talking to people, joking around, interacting with not just the his teammates, but various staff. And um, yeah, so I, I haven't seen the fact that they don't seem to get along. You know, obviously we know B.I. and Jose and Najee are like the best of buds. Um, so I think that the fact that Brandon, A, I was surprised that you know, he was watching, but I guess I shouldn't be, you know, he's going to tune in Pelicans anything. And then the fact that he actually did FaceTime, I think was incredible during Jose's little interview. So, you know, he had, Brandon had his moment last year when he jumped in on Trey Murphy's interview. So I guess he had to kind of crash summer league again. (laughs) But the coaching staff installing, I guess, James Barreto's offense probably is not the priority for summer league. So for Casey Hill, what what are his real points of emphasis besides consistent effort and defense when he goes into each one of these games? Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of simple actions. You know, they run through, um, you know, a couple drills where, you know, he shows you your three options and you have to hit each one um, before the next team runs through it. So you know, just kind of letting them try to understand simple pick and rolls, dribble handoffs, whatever it may be, but just to to continue to move, you know, make sure that you're moving and you're keeping, he really wants to keep um, on the office on the other side, you know, he wants to try to spread out the other team, keep them out of the middle. So, you know, it's kind of basically the same concepts that the Pelicans usually run, just kind of their initial, you know, 0.5 basketball, tough defense, and, you know, kind of just continue to move the ball, find the best look. Ollie? Yeah, Aaron, I don't know how many interactions you've had personally with Casey Hill since uh, coming here to New Orleans, but I feel like we've really gotten to learn about a side of him during the summer league that we really didn't know existed. Like, for instance, his honesty with the players is quite refreshing And it goes to our point that a lot of us behind the scenes, we're always trying to tell fans, no, the coaching staff's always trying to get them to shoot more threes, right? There were certain concepts they would get hung up on. And I was Mm -hmm. always telling them, no, the coaching staff's actually telling them the right things. It's just not coming out in the execution. But I think we're seeing that again, because now Casey Hill's getting in front of the camera and he's literally like telling us uh, good examples of whether he's having like, with for instance, De'Aaron Seabrook, he said, Mm -hmm. "When, when you play hard, you're elite. And he's like basically telling us all these things that usually just stay kind of off camera. And for instance, like with Dyson Daniels, don't you worry about any of those threes you're shooting. Mm -hmm. You keep shooting them. So like I said, I feel like the coaching staff has always kind of gotten the right message across. But now we're learning because of Casey Hill, the way he chooses to interact with the media, that 
this has indeed, I think, been the case. So what have you liked about, you know, just talking to Casey Hill more so than usual? Casey's great. He's very honest and he will tell you, you know, how he feels, what he's thinking. You can see it during games sometimes. You know, he's the, the first one to kind of jump up and get upset with a call and he's very impassioned. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you see his care for the team, the players, and and their success. You know, he's very detailed when he's walking through stuff um, in practice. He takes time to compliment them, you know, to stop practice and, and say, you know, point out things that are, are going well. And uh, there was a one moment um, you mentioned him kind of like showing, getting you behind the scenes, but he stopped practice and he was like, this is great. You guys are talking so much. This sounds great. I love this communication didn't have that last night you know last night that gym was silent he's like you, you could hear a pin drop and he's like am I wrong and the guy's like no you know no and, and so he's like this is what I need to hear from you guys tomorrow um so yeah he's it's it is different that his just the way he interacts um than what we've seen from from Willie who's very careful with when he uses his words and what he says um, so he's effective when he he does talk. What has Willie's presence been like during this? Is he um, helping run practice or is he just more on the back observing? What, what's been his role uh, during summer league so far? Yeah, he is just kind of observing. Uh, he has not had any interaction with the team. Um, just kind of letting Casey do his thing and just watching the players and watching the other other teams play as well you know we saw during the end of the year when you know Brandon Ingram Herb Jones Willie Green were at the Denver game and you know just he wants to go out there and experience like what that feels like what that looks like and I think it was cool that he brought you know two of the players with him and they and they wanted they wanted that same same feel so you know he's here really soaking it all in talking to people um and just kind of showing his support for for the program. Aaron, I've got just one more from me, and uh, it's about Victor Wimbanyama, and it's specifically his mm -hmm. debut. I texted Gus. I asked him, hey, you there for this? You there for this? He's like, no, I'm going back to the hotel. <laughs> Did you happen to stay there for Wimbanyama's debut? And have you had a chance to watch him play at all, maybe in the game two, if you missed game one at all? Yeah, I wasn't there for game one as – we had the first game that was the last game. So we didn't stick around that long, but they played before us um, on Sunday. So I was able to see him in person and he looked great on Sunday, obviously was not the case on Friday. Speaking of honesty, I just loved his comment after the game. I'm not sure P his PR staff loved it, but the <laughs> fact that he said he had no idea what he was doing out there, like that's not what you want to hear from your number one pick. And I just thought it was so funny, but um even for him, you know, we talked about the speed of the game being tough for Carlo, like even for him to say that, you know, he was lost out there in his first game is funny. Um, but he looked very smooth. His outside shot is great. His ability to, to you know, get inside, pull the defense in, just going to create a lot of opportunities for his teammates um, but yeah, he had a, he had a really good game yesterday and that was fun to watch and people were really into it. Aaron, you know, you've got another week out in Vegas, 
uh, at least uh, three more games to go unless the Pelicans could make the the playoffs of the the summer league. But we we just want to tell you, you like we're, we're so proud of you and excited for you to get this opportunity to do the color commentary on the radio. Um, I've been listening to it while I've been watching the games and having worked with you. um, I know how talented you are and I'm just, I'm just glad you're getting this time to shine. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. You and Gus are a good team, and I've loved the interviews, right, with Griffin and Lang- Trajan Langdon yesterday. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, no, that's been really great. I appreciate them all giving us their time. We're going to have Swin Cash and Bryson Graham on as well over the next couple games. All right, so to the next one, of course, uh, Pelicans back in action on Tuesday night. They play the Phoenix Suns. Game time is at 7 p.m. Central. And Erin will be on the call once again, so you can listen to her on the Pelicans app, or you can listen to her at pelicans.com. You can go to either one of those places to listen to the call there. Um, And before you go, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to this podcast, like us, give us a five-star rating. For Aaron Summers and Alicoso, I'm David Rose. This has been Perfect.